What's up, you guys? This is Speak Up, Speak Out. My name is Mariah Shields. I am so excited that you are listening to this podcast. Well, let's jump right in. All right, what is up, you guys? Welcome to Speak Up, Speak Out. We are in the house. I got a lot of guests through, so just, you know, listen up. Listen up loud. All right, so I have Collins in the house. What's up, Collins? How are you? I'm great. <laughs> I have um, Rod in the house. How are you? Good, I'm good. I'm that's, excited. That's good. I have my brother in the house. What's up, Chris? What's up? <laughs> All right. And I got Josiah in the house as well. He's a leader at um, Mercy Culture Church, as well as um, you guys just launched something. What did you guys just launch? So we just launched a YouTube channel that's going to be the fullness of a youth network. So Ooh. really excited about it. Okay. Well, you guys heard it first. So if you're about it, get about it. All right. So we're going to jump right into the topic the power of worship. So you guys are all men of God and everything like that. So I feel like this is going to be fun. Okay. So you guys ready? <laughs> all right. So I want to start out with Colin. We're going to you first. <laughs> um, so my question to you is how would you describe worship and it how it impacts your life? Okay. Um, so worship is recognizing that Jesus is Lord and mm. I am not. Mm. Um it's important because if I'm Lord, everything falls out of place. But if he's Lord, everything falls into place. And that's just that that surrounds every aspect of worship, whether that's tithing or um, dancing or singing before him or any kind of worship. It's just recognizing that he is almighty. He is God. And I'm not. It's just that submission to him. So. Submission to him. OK, OK. All right. We're going to take it to Josiah. Josiah, what about you? Is Kai worship? Yes. And the impact on my life? Yes. Um, I would describe worship as giving back what's deserved. Okay. And then um, impact in my life, I would say, like, the best way to describe it is like a faithfulness impact. So no matter like what season I'm going through, whether it's like a season of blessings um, and a season of like a lot of trials, the impact in my life is like consistent worship. Okay. Um, I think I've seen a lot of like people I look up to always worshiping in every season. So like the impact of my life is knowing like the depth of worship, no matter what, that's going to like release every door to open still, whether it's like a blessing season. Cause obviously like there's times when like, you know, the favor of God is on your life and well, you're going through like amazing stuff, like blessings, finances, and then, you're going through some hard stuff. So I would say the impact on my life is like consistency, faithfulness. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. What about you, Rod? Uh, for me, worship means uh, just seeing the worth of Jesus, seeing his worth, uh, you know, of the Trinity, you know, of, of the God, of Father, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And so to me, that's what worship really means to me is just seeing their worth in the fullness of it, you know, right. um, despite of what I'm feeling, despite of my emotions, despite of what I may have, you know, when I'm, when I'm worshiping, when I'm in that moment, um, I'm recognizing the fullness of who they are, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the impact that it has on my life, man, it, it, I feel like worship, worship has, you know, Jesus has saved me, but worship has kept me in that place of 
recognizing that I'm saved. And sometimes that may be silly, but you know, when, when, you know, I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm recognizing his fullness, you know, I get to go back in those moments where, you know, I wasn't saved, where I can recognize, man, there was a time in my life where I didn't have God. And so when I worship, you know, I can bring that place into my worship and just God, look, here it is. Like, you know, this is what you've done and here it is. It's all to you. And so, yeah. Okay, I like that as well. All right, what about you, Chris? Uh, worship for me is um, an invitation to intimacy. Okay. What you worship is what you become. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And the impact um, that has had on me is it is the DNA of the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, it is what keeps me going in the fourth quarter. It keeps me going when I hear the naysayers speaking down and ill of me. It's what keeps me going when... I'm depressed. It's what's keeping me going when I don't know what's forward. It, it, it's what keeps me in faith. It's what keeps me bleeding. It's what keeps me living. It's what keeps me seeing. It's what keeps me dreaming. It's the very inspiration of my life. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do anything that I have done if I didn't have worship inside of me. And if I didn't allow God to continue to um, demonstrate to me the importance of worshiping him and only him. Right. Okay. I like that. Okay. We're going to go back to Josiah. Um, since godly worship um, covers our society, um, what applications can you make to your life today to incorporate a greater sense of worship? So what basically what can you give to yourself to understand worship in a more in-depth manner? Um, I would say to understand and worship in a more in-depth manner, um, realizing when you're worshiping and where you are, like as you enter in, you're before the King of Kings. Right. So you're literally standing there in front of like God the Father and Jesus and you're in the throne room. And so um, I think that's like the impact, like the application is like entering in. Obviously, like you're on your face and knees. I don't think some people realize that. Like when you're actually in the presence, the tangible presence of the God of where you sit, like where you stand in front of Um I think that's something really big is like just knowing what room you're in. You know, obviously, you know, when like you walk in a room, um, you go into a department store that you love, you go into Macy's or Dillard's, like your mood changes or someone likes Foot Locker, they walk into Foot Locker, they're looking around the same way. When people are standing there, know what room you're in and standing and who's in front of you. I think a lot of people like don't realize that. And so they're just kind of standing there. And dude, like, you don't realize where you are, so. <laughs> okay, all right. What about you, Collins? Um, so the question, um, are you referring to the worship? Because uh, I know the question that you gave uh, in all society in the Old Testament. Like yes. Comparing- okay. Yeah, number two. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, in the Old Testament, obviously, um, willing sacrifices were set on fire and the incense of burning flesh went up to the nose of God, and it pleased him okay. for some reason. He liked that, right? Yeah. And so the idea of that has not changed, except we are now the living sacrifices. We are, you know, we are that sacrifice. You know, we are to be burning before him constantly. Mm-hmm. And all that flesh that is in the way goes up to his nose, and he likes it. Right. I don't like that. I think that's the most disgusting, but hey— <laughs> He, he enjoys that. Right. And I think it's important because, like, if we're worshiping, but we're not on fire and nothing is being removed from us or added to us, 
I question if we're even worshiping at all. Mm. So that's my take on that. <laughs> that's deep. Okay. All right. What about you, Rod? Uh, for me, just to have a greater sense of worship uh, in our lives, um, I think you have to make it a priority. Uh, it's not even I think you have to, you know. Um, just like Colin said, um, we are that living sacrifice. We're co- consistently burning for him. And so to do that, you have to grip it, you know, and you can't let go. Because as soon as you let go, you lose that greater sense. You lose that, you know. Um, and just one day without worship, it does so much damage to you. And it's... and. and and yes, it's it's for the Lord, you know, worship is for the Lord, but it does a lot for us, you know, it does so much for us. And so I think for us to have a greater sense of worship, we need, we need to set it as a priority, you know, regardless if there's music playing, regardless of what it may look like in your life, you need to grip it strong, you know, and mm-hmm. so, yeah. Okay. All right. Chris, do you want to add anything? The only thing I would add, um, I think it would just tie everything together personally. Um, I think that uh, what we're all saying is pretty much it's who we are. Um, It is what we were created for. Um, And I think the biggest essence of when you learn who you are and you know who you are and you know who created you, you don't want to do anything but worship him because you realize the reality of you living is a reflection of him. You're not here for you. You're here for him. Everything you do is to bring glory and honor to him. From the beginning of foundations, when he breathed the first breath into Adam, it was to be a reflection of him, you know, and it's the reality of even in the Old Testament where they started missing out on worship was when they started worshiping idols and they started becoming death. And then they wonder why there were sicknesses, where there was diseases, where there was famines, where there was destruction that began to come in the world. Doesn't it sound a lot like what's going on today? Well, we're not talking about that right now. But anyways, <laughs> you start worshiping the wrong thing. You become what you worship. Right. So again, just to tie everything that these wonderful men of God are saying, it's the reality of knowing who you are. And when you know who you are, you know what to worship and what not to worship. You know what to tolerate and what not to tolerate. And that's we got a lot of powerless Christians because they don't know how to worship the powerful one. Right. And if they would learn how to worship the powerful one, then they would learn where power comes from. So that was, that's the only thing that I would want to add to what these mighty men of God are saying. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. So we're going back down to Rod. <laughs> um, what would be an example of worshiping the true God in the wrong form? Uh, this is uh, I was reading this question before. I was like, oh, a really good one. <laughs> Super practical, too. Um, this as a worship leader, uh, I think this is really easy for worship leaders to do. Right. And it's not like something intentional, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it happens. Um, I feel like, especially I'm going to bring it into like a, a music context, okay. like context, like we're, we're in a worship set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we're worshiping the Lord, but sometimes if our hearts are not fully engaged with the Lord, if our hearts are not focused on him, if our affection, our admiration is not towards him, it's on the people, it's on, you know, oh my God, am I playing the right chords or this, this, and this, all this extra stuff, guess what? You just, you just eliminated that, that, you know, you from worshiping the Lord in in the right way, you know? And so I think just simple things like that, like, you know, um, just setting your heart towards the Lord, it makes it, it it's everything you know yeah. so yeah okay all right josiah <laughs> good um i was thinking of a like a similar something rod is saying mm-hmm. like it's gonna add on to that right I, sometimes people worship worship 
Okay. And, and like I've seen a lot of our culture, like they just want to be in a worship atmosphere, but they don't like know the Lord. Like they don't know who they're worshiping. Like I, I hate seeing it with like maybe a lot of young adults. Right. Um, and I think in the wrong form is like a rod of saying like, as a, I'm not a worship leader. Right. Um, I'm a worshiper, but I like I, I watch worshipers, worship leaders a lot, and I kind of like right away I can tell a worship leader like their form towards the Lord, like their heart towards what Garado just saying. And so one thing that I love, like this lyric one time that one of our worship leaders in my church said, she was saying like, the world's looking at us, but we're looking at you. And like, that was just like, when she said that, it just hit me like, dude, as a worship leader, everyone's looking at you. So the form, the wrong form, I would say is everyone thinking everyone's looking at you. Um, but they got to look at him. And then something that, like to add on to that, I can make sense. I love when, you know, a worship leaders flowing. And honestly, I love when they turn. Like I love when worship, like in worship, they actually turn. And because like, obviously, you know, that person, they're deaf with the Lord, but you know, when like they're going in right. and their eyes are literally on the Lord, like they're not looking to the left or the right. And they're just in this moment where they're turned and they're with the Lord. And so I would say in the wrong form is not like realizing just add on to Rod is, yeah, everyone's looking at you, but like, where are you looking? Right. And so I would say that that hurts me a lot. And then sometimes, unfortunately, I see a lot of younger people just going to work, to go into the church to worship, worship. And I guess Chris was saying, like, knowing whose you are, knowing him, like actually knowing the Lord right. uh, in the wrong form. So that's mm. me. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, Chris, what about you? For me, um, I would just say a, a wrong form of worship is when, um, and I see a lot of, which all these guys on this <laughs> know how I feel about worship. Um, so when uh, people are, there's songs that you make me feel good, or this is how I do, or this is what you get, I get from you. Um, when I hear songs like that, I, I feel like we are missing what worship is about. And I think that as um, ministers as worship leaders we do not talk about the uncomfortable side of worship how like Colin was saying earlier it's about transformation if I am literally tapping into the holies of holies in my worship and I'm significantly getting to the place that I am guess what I'm not walking out of that service the same because I have had an encounter with heaven so that means the fire of heaven has totally transformed me from who I used to be before I went to that church service to who closer to who God has called me to be. Mm-hmm. So, again, when I am truly worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it's not about what I got, what I felt like. Wow, I lost myself and I found you. That's mm-hmm. what happens. And I think that we need to make that the emphasis on worship again. And I think that. We don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about the uncomfortable side of worship. Yeah. Man, why were you, your shirt so wet when you left? Well, because I got totally wrecked because I got, I entered a place that I never had stepped in before and tears could not stop falling because I saw my creator. I saw the angels worshiping my creator and I finally realized and understood why they worship him and can't stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what we need to see in our worship leaders. That's what we need to see in our pastors. But we don't have that reverence for the Lord. And again, then we wonder why our society looks the way that it does. But again, we're not talking about our society fully. (laughs) We're talking about worship. So this is where I'll stop. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Collins, do you want to add anything on to what my brother said or what any of the men have said? See, Chris is cheating because he looked at my notes somehow. I don't know how <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, like, one thing that I see common is um, waiting for something to feel good before engaging, right? Mm. And it blows my mind, right? And because, you know, we want to create a space where you feel good and, like, sort of, you know, uh, get your way to Jesus in the most comfortable way possible. And it it just doesn't work that way. And... <laughs> You know, we have cultivated such a culture of feelings over faith that, you know, we connect our relationship of the Lord and our worship by how good something feels. And it is, it's deadly. It's toxic because if your relationship is based on that, that, that relationship is so, it's so shaky. It'll fall apart and it could fall apart in a minute. Right. And, you know, we, we subconsciously teach this. We teach this without even saying it. You know, and it, it needs to be untaught and we need to be teaching the right way of worship, which is you worship him even if it doesn't feel good. And I definitely know what feel what not feel good feels like. Right. And so, you know, it's just, you know, yeah, just tying up kind of on, along the lines of what Chris was saying about, you know, reverencing him over what we feel. Right. So. Okay. Thank you. All right. So going back to Josiah. Can you think of an instant when worship service was not conducted in a spirit of reverence and awe? What was that like and what was your response to it? <laughs> uh, I don't I mean like a specific time because I don't want to like talk mess about anything. Right. Um, <laughs> growing up like in Texas, I mean, I've hung out a lot of different denominations. Right. I'm a lot of like friends from high school growing up, you know, visiting their churches and then even being at CFNI visiting other churches, you know, to like go speak at or your friends speaking at. And so, um, fortunately, many times I feel like an instance was like Chris has said, like it's a feel good and we're, we're there. And I'm like, wait, like, when are we going to enter in? Like, when are we going to go deeper? Like, I don't want to like name a specific <laughs> place, but several times when a recent, a recent event, um, I went to go speak at a church and it, it was, I understand like it was like a younger like team, but I was like waiting until we went to like the next level, the next wave, like literally you can feel like the waves, like if you can discern like the waves of his presence. And um, I actually, before I went up there to preach, like I, the, the guitar player, I asked them like, Hey bro, can you actually like stop real quick and stay up here? Because we didn't even go where we needed to go. And so it was like really awkward. I really felt the Lord's going to be obedient. Um, and like, I don't, you know, I'm not a worship leader, so I didn't know how to sing or anything. And I was like, we're just going to stay here until he comes. And so that was like a most recent event. Um, but just lately, I just feel like, you know, hanging out at other churches when I go visit and like, I'm there and then everyone's saying a feel good song. We had a hype song. I'm like, bro, can we just go in instead of trying to get like A, B, C done? Can we just start right in entering? Um, so that's like a specific instant without, I don't want to like say anything, (laughs) but just, I just feel like in my last few years, I feel like the Lord's been stretching me. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you just feel it. It's like, 
you know when you like play basketball and someone who doesn't really know how to play comes <laughs> even jump shot you're like oh that guy doesn't have like experience or form he doesn't know the game I like, he might have the outfit on I just feel like recently I mean who am I to say fully but he's growing with the Lord like deeper I'm like bro like we gotta have the right form to go in so that's just to be honest um yeah <laughs> okay. all right um Rod what about you because you are a worship leader so I'm thinking you have stories <laughs> Yeah, there's a few stories. Uh, I'm gonna shift the story where where I thought um, we weren't in, in spirit and in, in reverence and awe, okay. but we were. Okay, okay. so I remember um, I went to this church and I was in the back and and um, as a worship leader, it's so easy to like judge other teams and figure out like, oh, that's so cool, I love what they're doing over there, blah blah blah. Right. But sometimes it, it can be so distracting, right? Because you're not even focused on the Lord, you're not even focused on what's happening in the room. You're just so focused on what's happening on stage and the instruments, and vocalists, whatever. Um, but there's this one time where I was like, this is terrible. Like, God, I'm so sorry that, that this is happening because, you know, I felt like they weren't going in where they were supposed to. I felt like they weren't pressing in where they should have pressed and stuff like that. Right. And I had this, you know, this attitude, this heart throughout the whole service like i let that rob me of the whole entire service mm-hmm. and at the end the lord said rod it's not even yours to judge simply that it's not even yours to judge if it's in perfect reverence or in awe that's for me when it comes to worship it's my worth it's me it's 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 for me it's not for you rod and so to me that was so humbling because i'm like okay I was so wrong, okay? And so here I am so so quick to judge. Mm-hmm. And that, and I'm not saying, okay, let's not be cautious. Let's not be cautious of, of places where there is. Because, you know, just like, you know, just like Jesus where, I think it was like John, uh, John 2 where they were like selling doves and all this stuff, making the Lord's house into a marketplace. Guess what he did? He corrected them. And, you know, um, if I'm surrounded by people where I have a connection to and a relationship with, and I can correct that. I can correct them and be like, guys, look, we weren't in this place. You know, we weren't worshiping him with reverence and awe. So let, let's correct that. But if I'm stepping into a church where I don't know anybody, I have no place. I have no authority to do that. Right. You know, all I can do is have authority over myself and over my convictions and over what the Lord is speaking over me. So, yeah. Okay. That was good. <laughs> all right. What about you, Collins? Um, so immediately when I saw this question, I thought about this one time in particular, um, it was at a particular place of worship and the worship itself was incredible. I mean, it was on fire. It was tender. The Lord was doing surgical work and every single person, it was obvious. Like you'd have to be, you'd have to be dumb to not, you know, and, and right in the middle, right in the middle, this this man walks up, and I guess he was, a, you know, a lead, he was a leader of the place. And he doesn't, he's not, he's not praying. He's not prophesying. He's not encouraging. He's not giving a word. He's just talking. He straight up interrupts the Lord. Now, when it happened, at first, at first I was kind of shocked. And then my, so my response to that was I started crying. Because and, and this is exactly what it felt like. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody just one on one 
and y'all are going in. Like, you're talking, it's flowing, and then some random guy comes out, pulls the guy that you're talking to into a separate conversation that has nothing to do with what y'all were talking about. Just complete, rude interruption. <laughs> and I was just like, how could you do this? How could you do this? You know, and, you know, that that was the biggest... I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Thank goodness. Right. You know, um, but that right there never happened again. I don't want to see that again. Mm. Okay. Colin said he doesn't want to see it again, guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. Chris, do you want to add on or do you have a story as well? I mean, I can attest to all the stories that have been told, <laughs> honestly. Um, but one of the things I just want to mention and speak into um, on this question is, you know, us as leaders having discernment and like kind of what Rod talked about, realizing that, you know, at the end of the day, the judge of the worship is God. Right. Um, but also understanding the reality as a leader, I'm not meant to go there to be to um, I shouldn't that shouldn't be my first time to worship. If I'm going there to release a word, I should be already there's going to be places as a leader that you are actually going there to release worship. Mm, okay. You might not sing a song. You may not uh, have a guitar. You may not even be a worship leader, but you are the reflection of true authentic worship in that moment. So I think you have to discern, am I there to receive worship or am I there to release worship? Mm. You see what I'm saying? And there's a big difference in that because but all three of these guys on the phone, and I can mention the church, the place, because they went with me as I ministered there. <laughs> and we could not, we did not get fed worship. We were not there to receive worship. But what did we do? We joined together as a team and we released worship. And we saw the movement of the Holy Spirit in a mighty way through that service. So you have to discern the reality of what is my purpose in this time? Am I there to receive and be fed? Or am I there to release what I've received in the holies of holies on my own personal time? So I love what all three of these mighty men of God said. But just to highlight a little bit more on what Rod was saying, because I think that's very important, knowing that, hey, at the end of the day, God, what is my task? What is my purpose? And what is my um, game plan in this moment? Am I here to receive worship to you, to encounter you? Or am I here to release the encounter I already had with you? It's very important to know and discern what that purpose is i like that i like that okay all right going to collins what are some things in your life that may become distraction and get you in the way of you worshiping god okay so um <laughs> this one was uh this one was rather easy for me um ministry right so you can be so busy serving at a church and doing what you're supposed to be doing that you forget to take the time to slow down and remember and worship the one who actually put you there in the first place. Mm. It's very, very easy to fall into that. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say for that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Josiah, what about you? Mm, um, obviously like the ministry part, like, you know, leadership service flow, rethinking what's next, what we got to do. Um, I think this is something that, thought the Lord wanted me to say, and I think it's very personal is like when you're succeeding, don't let my worshiping distract you because mm -hmm. like, obviously when you like financial problems, you know, go to the father, you know, you, I have problem A, B and C. You're always worshiping, you know, worships your weapon you're going for, but like when you're succeeding, like 
I don't know, you just got married or finances came in, you landed that position in the church. When you're succeeding, I felt like when like I feel like when there's been favor in my life in the last few years, Lord's like, don't ever stop worshiping me. Don't ever stop. Like, remember who gave it to me. And so I would say that. Mm, I like that. Okay. All right. Um, Chris, what about you? Um, what's a what can be a distraction when it comes to worship? Yeah. What are some things in your life that may become a distraction and get in the way of worshiping God? Um, people. Okay. Uh, things. Uh, I love Josiah. How he said uh, success. That can definitely be one. Um, I think you always have to remember because I'm not trying to get super theological right now, but you always got to remember what was the purpose of worship. And you always have to remember, why are you on that mountain? Because ultimately, worship is taking you to the mountain of Zion. And in that reality, you're not there to receive for yourself. You're there to actually receive for others. Mm. Um, so sometimes you have to cut and remove certain people or things that try and put themselves um, ahead of the importance of God. Like, for example, I can tell you multiple stories of situations of relationships with girls um, throughout my journey of faith that um, I became so infatuated with them that they became an idol in the place of God. Mm. You know, and I wondered why things were falling apart in my life or why I wasn't ministering Mm. ministering (laughs) into the fullness of what God has called me to do. And it's because my focus wasn't totally on him. I was living a double hearted life Mm. and God has not called you to a double hearted life. He's called you to a oneness, you know, and that again, it goes back to what I said at at the beginning with the first question, who you um, worship is an invitation to intimacy. Who you worship is what you're becoming. Mm -hmm. So I was becoming something that I was never called to become. You see what I'm saying? But it took an encounter, a real encounter with God by separation that allowed me to realize that I was becoming something that I wasn't supposed to become, you know? And after that, now, you know, you get to, when you have a real encounter with God, now you get to become the fullness of who God's called you to be. So that's the reality of that. Okay. Wow. Well, that was good. I felt that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Rod, what about you? (laughs) Um, for me personally, um, is letting worship become familiar. Uh, I think that's super dangerous. Um, I've had that experience countless times, um, especially during Safe and I, where, you know, we have chapel every single day and it's like, sometimes we hear the same songs or whatever. And it's like, it helped me realize, okay, is worship about, these songs that we're singing at 8am or is about, or is it about me, you know, expressing my admiration to the Lord and giving him my full attention is what is, what is worship. Right. right. And so even sometimes just like waking up and just, you know, really thinking about it. Oh, do I want to worship today? Or do I want to do this today? And eh, I can, I can live without it. And that's where familiar gets super dangerous in a worship context because, you know, it, it, it gives us life. Just as we're giving our admiration to, to the Lord, it, the Lord is giving back black life to us. And it's like, he doesn't have to do that, but he does. And it's so when we let that become familiar, I think it's dangerous and, you know, it can, it can destroy people. Right. So, yeah. I like that. You guys all said good ones. Gosh, just, gosh. Okay. 
wow <laughs> okay um going back to chris using the three categories of worship as your guide so you have outward inward and upward what are some practical ways you can worship god what are some practical ways you can worship god yeah so you have outward inward and upward bro by those what you do. Okay. What you do is an important way of how you worship God. Um, so that can be like well, how you spend your time, you know, um, what you give your time to, who you associate with. Um, also, I mean, like I said, it's an invitation to intimacy. I'm going to keep saying that. So, I mean, it's the reality of putting the importance of who you love. You know, that's an inward and upward and outward expression. See, because the way you live, see, because the whole thing of worship is publicly displaying who you love. Because mm. you only worship who you love. That's the thing. Like, just like on your wedding, see, and not to get all weird, all none of us are married on here. But in the reality, there is an essence of when you become one covenant, right? There is a worship that happens between a husband and his, and his wife, Right. And that's what they would call sex. That is in the proper context of a covenant, right? right? But not to be weird, but it says in the Bible that God is our is the husband and he has a church that, that is the wife, the bridegroom and the bride, right? So in the essence, when we worship him and everything that we do and everything that we say inwardly, outwardly, right? And upwardly, what are we doing? We are committing our all to him. And what a husband and a wife do when they get on that bed and have sex in the right place and they are solidifying a covenant what they're doing is say you can have all of me and that is what worship is truly supposed to be so that's when you keep it in love inwardly outwardly upwardly is an expression of you giving your all that's why they have that old school song you are my all in all you see what i'm saying there's nothing hey there's nothing i'm not chris anymore it's not me that is flowing. It's not me that is speaking. This is just the essence of Christ being displayed through me. You are my all in all. You see what I'm saying? And it is all about him. Wow. Well, thank you, Chris. Wow. All right. <laughs> We're going to go to Collins. All right, Collins. <laughs> okay, so with all due respect... I've never heard of these categories before. Okay. I didn't even know there was outward, inner, upward. <laughs> I, just um, I just know that worship is lifting up the name of Jesus above everything. Okay. Uh, and practically, right, what that looks like is, one, being obedient to him. Mm. Um, that's, you know, that's practically, that, that's tithing, right? You know, tithing is worshiping. You know, giving giving a portion of what he's given you, that's worship. Mm. Um you know, singing, praying, reading his word in private and in public, engaging with 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 people, you know, in in the same act, you know, these are all forms of worship. And, you know, but if if whatever you're doing is not lifting up Jesus, it's not, you know, not saying that it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just you can't call it worship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can be singing a song and that's great. But if it's not <laughs> lifting up Jesus to the highest, you can't really call that worship, can you? Oh. So that's all. That's my take on that. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Okay. Um, Josiah. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Chris yeah. killed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
this is a practical way I feel like the Lord's taught me in, in the last year really is a lot about like generosity okay. um, with finances a lot like towards people just like constantly like blessing people giving them um i mean with your time too i kind of i think i go out of the story like you know the good samaritan and he just gave him his time like we don't know his job that he had we don't know if he was a nine to five kind of guy and he was just there and uh, like giving his time towards someone i think sometimes like the lord's connected me a lot like as you know a leader you i i I gotta be efficient I got to get everything in my calendar. And then sometimes people at church are like, can we get coffee or can we just sit down? Or it's like generous with your time, generous with your time, generous with your finances, blessing people. Or like, that's just what something I feel like he's like, son, this is a form of worship towards me. Mm-hmm. So generosity. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Rye. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Um, practical ways, you know, to, to, to worship. Um, I think, um, you could do so much, right? But it all depends on how you do it. You know, it's kind of like what Colin was saying, because you can bring your tithes to the Lord, and yes, that's considered worship. But I feel like it's really considered worship when, you know, I'm not giving tithes so I can receive something back. I'm giving my tithes to the Lord because he's worthy of it, right. you know, because he's deserving it. That, to me, is when it turns into worship, and rather than just me giving money away, right? Yeah. Um, and same thing with like singing, you know, am I singing because I sound good and people are looking at me and I'm getting this and this, whatever, or am I singing because the Lord is worthy of what my voice is producing? Right. And so I think that's super important to, to understand and grasp. And I think just a practical way to just do that is like challenge yourself. Like for me, what I was doing um, for a bit was, uh, I want to discover more names of the Lord. Cause if you look in the Bible, there's so many names that describe him. And so what I did was I just wrote, I started off with Jesus because that to me is the one that I know the most. Right. And so I wrote Jesus and then every day I would write a new name, a new name that describes the Lord. And I would focus on that name and what it meant. And I would study it and I would, you know, and you can do that with worship too. Like, Pick a new way to worship rather than just listening to music or listening to Bethel or whatever. Pick a new way where you can challenge yourself that you've never done before. And I'm like, okay, how can I turn this into worship? And so, yeah, I mean, practically, I think that's that's how you do it. Okay. All right. Okay. Next question. We'll go to Josiah. Josiah. How may work in our busy lives get in the way of true worshiping of God? Like I said, you guys are all um, men of God that are busy. You guys are church leaders doing different things. So how can certain things get in the way of that? I feel like I kind of answered that in the question before. In yes. a way. Um, like, I would say generosity again to finish it mm-hmm. but having that like unnegotiable time with the lord as like the more you grow you know as a leader or something um the more that you're going to pull out of people like okay. people are going to pull out of you correct sorry and so um one thing we say is like as a leader and a worship leader you can't take somewhere where you've never been before mm-hmm. and so if I want a rod of giving out with me. He's never been to my house. How can he get there? And so 
he'll only know that if he's come before and I've taken him there. And so as a leader, you have to take people somewhere you've been as a worship leader, et cetera, take them into the presence. And so um, I feel like the more is like I've gotten busier. I've never wanted to be with the Lord more in the mornings mm-hmm. with him um, as far as even praying, reading and worship, literally just worshiping him in the mornings. I just catch myself, me and him just crying like in the morning and just like waking up even earlier to have more time with him. Cause I know I gotta be, you know, I gotta be at work at nine. I gotta be at work at eight o'clock. Right. I have all those meetings. And so I'm like, dude, it's like less sleep. All right, it's cool. Cause I get up early to be with the Lord. And so I got that, that kind of answers that. I don't know if that fully answers it. Um, <laughs> no, good. Just more of a demand of more time with him. Cause like, that's just something really, really special that I've, I've seen men of God I look up to spend way way more time even as they progressed and you know they've gotten more successful so okay all right Collins what about you um I think that if you're too busy to spend time with God there's a problem um you know it's, it's it's okay to be busy it's okay to you know do all these things but if you actually cannot make time for him then there's a problem that means that those jobs are for some reason greater than him. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but it's very easy to do that, especially in this culture, because, you know, we're very, you know, we're very much like that. Um, but yeah, that's all I got to say on that. If you're, if your time does not allow him to be in it, then you're on the wrong time. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Chris, what about you? Um, being somebody that's extremely busy 99% of the time, um, one of the ways I balance it is when I find myself coming near disobedience, I know that I have forfeited worship um, because at the forefront of worship is obedience. Um, and you get two things when you're worshiping. First, you get obedience and then you get humility. Um, so when you are tapping into that reality, um, you have all the time in the world. Why? Because again, and I know everybody on this phone <laughs> outside of you, Mariah, because you're not going to understand this, but the other three will, love controls time. So reality is, if worship is love, right, that means that when I am not subject to the reality of obedience and humility, that means that my life is dictating God, the life that God um, laid for me. And at the forefront Joshua would not have been able to be obedient to the reality of destroying all of the men and all of the armies that were coming against Israel if he was not obedient to what God told him to do. His worship was him saying, sun, moon, stop. And in that obedience, he was able to do exactly what God told him to do. So the reality is it when when I know that I am not um, worshiping God in the way that I'm supposed to be is when I find that I'm in disobedience. And why am I in disobedience? Because I'm putting my schedule above God. But when I'm in obedience, I find humility and obedience going hand in hand. And disobedience, another thing, when it, when you're in disobedience, what you see is you see puff up and pride. You're all about yourself. You're only focused on you. And what are you doing? You're doing everything to worship you. But see, when you're in true worship, reverence to God, you're obedient. So there's humility there. So now you're not just worshiping from receiving. You're also worshiping from releasing. You see what I'm saying? Because if you look at the context and I'll stop because I, I, I'm almost in a way, but I'm not going to go there. So there's a high priest back in the day when the high priest, the reason why the high priest would go to the mountain was because he was going to receive 
the glory of God. And then what did he do? He would come off the mountaintop and he would release the glory of God to the people. Why? Because the people were afraid of the glory of God. Why? Because in the Old Testament, they had a graver, greater reverence for God than we do now. They are they really knew what it means to fear God. They really knew what that means. Right. So in reality, all that to be said, <laughs> when you find yourself in disobedience, that's when you're not in the proper place. But when you know you're in the proper place of worship is when you find yourself in obedience. Wait, God, it's two o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay, but you woke me up. You woke me up on purpose for a purpose. Yeah, I would love to turn over and go back to sleep, but you woke me up and you have something to tell me. You have something to show me. You have something to release to me. So I'm going to be obedient because I am a minister of worship and you have something to take me to and to release to your people. So I'm going to wake up even though I don't want to. So that's the reality of knowing obedience and humility. It takes humility to wake up at two o'clock in the morning when you went to sleep at 12 takes humility and obedience and you have to live in that kind of reality i like that i like that all right going down to rod if you want to add on at all yeah just a little bit uh kind of pegging off what colin and chris was talking about um when i think of like a work schedule and being busy i think of this is a this is an opportunity to lay it down. And so the busier you get, the bigger of an opportunity that you have to lay it down. And so um, what Colin was saying about fitting God into our schedule, um, you know, it just like you said, it's not about God fitting into our schedule. Man, if we're really prioritizing the Lord, then guess what? He is the center of it. Right. Everything else comes second. Everything else is before that. You know, my priority is Jesus and Jesus alone. And when I make make it that, then guess what? Everything else falls into its um, into its place, right. into its perfect timing. You know, and and so yeah, I think just just allowing yourself to to lay that, those things down before the Lord is is a great way to not let it distract you. Okay, I like that. All right, um, we're gonna stay on Rod. Um, Rod, do you think we live in a culture that lends itself to work or worship? Explain your answer. Mm. Um, okay. I think our, our culture really misunderstands worship, you know, and it's not that they are leaning towards work and performance and all that stuff. I think it's that they misunderstand it. And it leads to those things. It leads to, to performance. It leads to, to working rather than worshiping. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to word this correctly. Um, okay. But, yeah, I just feel like our culture wants to, 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 to do those things. Our culture wants to, to strive for the Lord and, and, and be in his presence at all times which we are, but we don't have that revelation, right? Not all of us. And so we feel like we need to perform. We feel like we need to work to get into his presence. And I feel like that's where things get really clunky and messy, where, you know, uh, I come from a church where, you know, the kids are grown up in fine arts, like uh, national fine arts or whatever, like the AG thing. Yeah. And it's such a, a cool thing that, that, that gives kids opportunity to worship the Lord and, and do these amazing things. But if you're not teaching them the correct way, it becomes more of a performance. It becomes of, Oh, look what I can 
do and, and all this. And it sets really unhealthy boundaries and it sets really unhealthy emotions and cultures where, you know, oh, we're just doing these things because it, it looks good and it sounds good rather than it is good. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just a misunderstanding. I think it's not, no one wants to work. No one wants to perform. Right. Uh, that's silly. I feel like people truly want to be in a place where they're consistently worship and not striving. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Josiah, what about you? Hello, when I talks about worship. All right. So I would say they're just like a lacking of the revelation of worship, okay. but I would lean a little bit more of the work. Um, obviously in the church culture, like you see production, production, production. Um, and I know people, you know, you want to grow your business, you want to grow your name and they're always grinding the grind. I think it's like realizing that we live in an American culture. And so, the American mindset, you know, like entrepreneurship, grind, 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 grind. The Lord says, like, have a Sabbath, don't do anything. Yeah. Because uh, that's a form of worship is trusting him more in your six days and doing nothing and letting him minister to you, or whatever your Sabbath looks like. And so I would say the culture tends to even be more work. Like I, I was kind of like the church I joined, it's a leadership standard is refer you to have a Sabbath. And I'm like, whoa, like, what is that even? It, it blew my mind because I know we always like talk about it. And you're like, what's my day off? But I was like, they're like, no, bro. Like, you need to have a day where it's just you and the Lord Sabbath. Like, and I've seen the finances in my life, like still be even better. I've seen just everything be in the place because even back at CFNI, you know, you see a lot of other people. They're like, grind, grind, grind. Like, oh my gosh, my pastor texted me on my Sabbath. Like, and like, we have that culture where my church, where I come from, like, your pastor texts you on your Sabbath to get something done, you have like a healthy response not to ha make it happen in that moment because that's your Sabbath, the Lord. And so um, I would lean a little more towards the work because you want to have, you know, spirit of excellence and everything, but realizing like resting is the form of worship um, to finish that. Right. So that's something that I, I, something I feel like I've learned a lot of just resting and that the, the, the Sabbath part is to add it. And so, okay. yeah. All right. All right. Collins, what about you? Okay. So we definitely live in a culture of worship, no matter what. It's just, we're not all worshiping the same person. Mm. Um, and a lot of times what I see is we worship our feelings. We worship our money. We worship appearances and we worship ourselves. And all of that leads us into worthless works that bear no fruit. And it's very subtle and sometimes it can look good. And that's the problem. It's, it's, it is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, that I see that so much and it breaks my heart because we're supposed to be the worshiping, the one that's in charge of everything. And, but instead we're worshiping others. We're worshiping people that look like they have it together. We're worshiping, you know, money. Like we think, we think, we, we think money is everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that there are some, um, you know, there are some places that make worship music just for profit. I mean, I'm not saying it's anything, you know, I'm just saying if your focus is to make profit, you're wrong. Right. And so that's just, that's just what I see. And it's, it's prominent in a, in a land of success, such as the United States. 
in other countries, they will worship underground, sweating, almost going to die. It doesn't matter to them. But in a land of plenty, in a land of success, it's so easy to fall into that culture where we don't really need God. We can just make a, a name for ourselves and worship that. Yeah. And so anyway, it's a problem. <laughs> I see that. That is true. I definitely agree with you, Colin, for that. What about you, Chris? Do you want to add anything on? Yeah, I would just say, again, beautiful um, articulations from all these mighty men of God. The only thing I would add in is the reality is I think we miss the big picture. That's why we see work and worship as separate entities when reality, they're not separate. They're meant to be one. Um, just like we are meant to be one. We are practical, but we also are spiritual. So the practical reality of our spiritual success is the working that we're doing. Because if you go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2.15, you see God speaking to Adam and he says, Adam, here's your garden. This is your home, right? This is your house. This is your home, right? Dress it and keep it. So if you look at it, depending on the uh, translation you're looking at, some say cultivate it, some say keep it. But regardless of the fact is you see God telling a man, right, before sin to work, right? And through your work, it is a it is an expiration. It is an or that's not the word, not an expiration. It is a, an example of the reality of your love for me, everything you do. So how, for example, and I'm not going to get into this full teaching, but I'm just going to add this little aspect. How could a man that had no understanding of naming things name something? And not only did he name something, he named something that caused it to have the reality of the understanding of how to function. See, when we tap into the practical and the spiritual, what we're doing is really tapping into what does it look like to bring heaven to earth, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? When that is what Adam stepped into, when he was able to say, giraffe, walk, hey. And the giraffe knew, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to walk, and I'm supposed to go on that giant tree and eat it. But see, nowadays, we have people that have no teaching on kingdom realities. So we are illiterate when it comes to what is a kingdom is. Like Colin was saying, us living in the United States, we don't know what a kingdom means. We think that our opinion matters when it really doesn't. There's one person's opinion that matters, and his name is Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is king. And it is more than a T-shirt. It's more than a sweater. It's more than an album. It's more than a song. It is a reality. Until we come into the reality of Jesus Christ, knowing that he's called us to be practical and spiritual beings, and our reality of being spiritual beings looks like doing the practical, taking heaven to earth— until we see that reality, we're going to look at work as a bad word, and we're going to look at worship as something off to the side. No, they're one thing. When we come into the fullness of who God has called us to be, and that's the thing that people, again, I'm going to stop with this last comment. This is the thing that people miss out on. They think we're going to get to heaven, and all we're going to do is scream and dance and sing and worship all the time. No, you're going to have a job. And you know what the reality of closeness of your job is? What you're spending your time doing when you tap into the fullness of who God's called you to be. So, for example, just to put someone on highlight on this um, on this call with us, Colin, for example, he is a teacher. That is what he is breaded to do. This man can take anything, whether it's Bible, history, anything, and he can perfectly break it down for anybody to understand it. That is what he's gifted in. But the reality is that's not going to stop once he goes to heaven or once Jesus comes back. That is what he is going to do until eternity and until eternity, until eternity for the rest of his life. 
in heaven is going to be him teaching. So we need to begin to teach the reality of these are one thing. These are not separate entities. The fullness of who you are is a combination of work and worship. But like Josiah said, not to you know undermine what he was saying, there is a, a beautiful essence of learning where's the resting in it. And the resting in it is Colin doesn't have to work to be a teacher. It is who he is. So the reality of the rest comes into the reality because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. So Sabbath is still a work day, but it's working from the expression of who you are. Mm. And I'll stop because I can keep going. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So going back to Josiah, how does a proper understanding of Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you guide you in your worship of God. So this is like from that, I feel like when it first starts off, it says, but seek first his kingdom. Right. Um, to add to Chris and Colin, like saying that the Bible's not an American book, um, learning what a king culture looks like. Right. I think when I think of that right away, like, when I say, Lord, I want to know your voice more clear than I ever have, that's something that the first thing that pops up. When I, as I go into a little tough season, at Steve and I one time, and I remember I was at the altar and a teacher was praying over me and he was saying, Lord, let him seek your face, let him seek your face. And like, that's not the prayer like I originally wanted to hear. Like, you know, you want to hear the emotional comfort. And I was like, why does he keep like praying that over me? Like, I want him to say something else. And so it just took me to a place in a prayer room where I was like, Lord, I want to seek your face. And from there, it turned to, Lord, I want to know your voice more clear than I have before. And so to go into that is like, when I think of that scripture, I want to know his voice. I just don't want to minister to him without knowing who he is. But I want to like know the voice of God in that. Um, so part of the seeking his face, obviously when you spend time with someone, you know them. You know, you sit down on a date, you look them in the face and you know them. She, you know, they know the voice of their shepherd. But um, that was something that like revolutionized, I would say, like my walk with the Lord. Okay. I was just like, why does he keep saying like, seek his face, seek his face? And I was like, it just switched. I was like, oh my gosh, like Moses was in the presence of God and knew his voice. And Samuel, when he first heard the Lord, he said, speak Lord. And obviously you take the Lord part that's part of the kingdom culture. Like when a Lord who's a ruler over a place of, of a, of a, of a land, he says, do this. That's it. Like you're not, you don't have your option. Like Chris was saying, it's not your opinion. When there's a Lord over you and he says something, you hear and obey. Yeah. And so from that, it's like, well, I can only know that if I know his voice, like I just don't want to minister to him and I don't know, preach and never know him. So I think sometimes you know, you know a lot of people and you, you see them preaching. You're like, bro, like, do they know the voice of God? Right. And so from that scripture, that's my spiel. Okay. All right. What about you, Rod? Um, in my earlier days, um, in my walk with Christianity, um, this verse, what attracted me the most to it was the second part where it says, and all these things will be given to you as well, right? Like that's what attracted to me, like, Oh my God. So I get to, I get to have like this car that I've been wanting or blah, 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 or whatever stupid materialistic thing that I've been wanting or silly thing that does not matter. 
But now, like, what attracts me and what sets priority to me is that first part. But first, seek ye the kingdom of the Lord, like, you know, like his righteousness, his kingdom. That's what attracts me now. And and because I have that priority over that and rather than the milk, I'm, I'm prioritizing meat rather than the milk. Then guess what? All that stuff gets added. And, and when I worship, it's the same thing. You know, um, what I'm attracted to is, is seeing his worth. What I'm attracted to is seeing his people being changed. What I'm attracted to is, is his righteousness. Literally get caught up in the mess of society and we think that God doesn't see us. Doesn't know, have a plan or a purpose for what's going on. And I think us knowing that God sees to it and doesn't just see two things, he sees two good things in our life. So I always keep that dear to my heart. Jehovah Ra, which is the uh, is the shepherd. He is our shepherd. And I think that we have to realize and come to know and remember always that he is leading and guiding us into all truth. He is directing our path. You know, there is no, we might have moments of clarity, of confusion, but in reality, he's a God of clarity. So clarity is going to come, you know, and um, the last one would be Jehovah Rapha, which is he is the healer, you know, and I think that, or the restorer, just depending on what you look at in the definition of it. And I think that we have to remember in the moments of darkness, in the moments of negativity, the story is not finished. It's just the beginning of the story because God always finishes on a positive. So I keep those near and dear to my heart always because it's what keeps me going, you know. And I think when we see God in the perfect perspective, that's when we uh, begin the positive change to society. But when Christians begin to see the, the perspective wrong, that's when we begin to add to the ill of society. Right. Okay. All right. What about you, Rod? What are your three words? Um, yeah, my three words or phrases, um, <laughs> um, I am, that's the first one I am because before there was anything, there was, I am. And, and as much as I think I know what that means, I still don't. And it's so powerful. Um, just, just, you know, just knowing that Jesus is, I am. And then, um, another one too is, is Jehovah Nisi for me. Um, mm-hmm. that has, that's a good one. Wow, like Jehovah, my, the Lord is my banner. Like when I used to think of that, when people would talk about banners and stuff, I'm like, you talking about like a little flag? Like, like you, are you talking about that? But then when I finally understood what banner meant in the Bible, like it, it's insane because um, whenever there would be like armies facing one one another, mm-hmm. they would have these banners, right? And these banners were these huge huge wooden platforms that the first thing that you saw was the banner mm-hmm. right every time when i think of the lord is my banner wow he goes before me like that's the first thing that the enemy sees and so to me i can rely on that for my victory on whatever i face like the lord is my banner the lord is is the first thing that the enemy sees and then uh the third one is um he's love like he is love and don't get don't get me confused. I'm not saying that love is God. I'm saying God is love. Right. Um, I think it's so important to know that because John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His own begotten Son for us. And so for me that that has been personally engraved into my heart that He loved me and that He still loves me and that He will continue to love me. Okay. So yeah. All right. All right, going back to Chris, um, what would you say someone if they asked you why you believe that God exists? 
Uh, I mean, because I've seen him, I know him, I've heard him, I've done life with him, I live with him, he's with me constantly, he's with me right now. Um, I've tasted him, I've seen him, I've heard him, feel him. I mean, it's the reality, I know him, you know, like, quick part of my testimony, the reality of what got me back on track is the reality of hearing his voice and say, how long until you come, you begin to focus on me? What is it going to take? Here you are sitting in a hospital with a blood contusion. How long is it going to take? And I say, hey, you take this away from me right now. And I'm done running. I can't promise you that I'll be perfect. I have still some junk that you're going to have to clean out of me. But I'll give you my voice and I'll give you my life. I'll give you my my blood, sweat and tears, my talents, all that I have. I'll give you if you just take this blood contusion away. And in that moment, the blood contusion was gone. So, I mean, how can you have an encounter like that? And then have other encounters that I could sit here and I could share numerous encounters that I've had with him, not mystical creature, Jesus. No, Jesus, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the real Jesus. Right. When you have an encounter with him like that, how could you look back? How could you turn your ways? How could you not continue to consider a faithful God that even in your mistakes, he's still there? Right. Oof. That's good, bro. Um, Collins, what about you? Okay, so Chris is doing it again. He's reading off my notes. I don't know if you haven't seen it. It's, like, right? it's because it, I literally wrote because I seen him. Uh-oh. Uh So Chris is cheating. So it gets points to do. Uh, yeah. So I would just I would just say you know you would be stupid to see a tree and deny its existence. Mm. See, I mean, you would be a fool. And um, he's he's done too much for me. He's delivered me from too much. I've seen too much. Um, I've, I've seen too much to, to deny him and to, uh, and to ignore his existence. You know, if you're sitting on a train track and trains coming at you and a train hits you, you can't deny that. It, it happened. The effect is there and it remains there, you know? And so that's, that's all I would say, really. Okay. What about you, Rod? Um, I would say I've come to know the author of my life, um, exactly what these guys said. Um, because, you know, when you get to know the author, like whatever book you're reading, right? Like, let's say you're just reading some random book, but you get to meet the author and you get to understand why they wrote those things and why they, you know, they formulated those sentences, the, the book or whatever you're reading comes to life, Right. And so for me, that just understanding the word of God and understanding that, that the God, God is my author and just understanding what my life means. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't say much because these guys said everything. So, yeah. Okay. Josiah, what about you? <clears throat> okay. So why I believe God exists to receive his worship. Hmm. That's why he exists, so that his creation can worship their creator. Um, that's why he exists. And in the midst of it, you know, he created a garden for us. He wanted to be with us, you know. He wanted his bride. He wants us to be with him to enjoy it. But solemnly, he exists to receive his worship. Okay. That's good. So I'll start with Collins. How has God made himself known to you? So give me an example. Um, 
you can speak on your testimony. You don't have to go too deep into it. Everybody has a testimony. <laughs> um, you don't have to go too in depth. That goes for everybody on here. Um, but with that question, try to think of something you can talk about that you are comfortable speaking on your testimony. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. So, how has God made Himself known to me? Um, he's delivered me from death, literally multiple times. Um, and I've seen his promises from his word fulfilled. Um, I think those two things, you know, pretty much seal the deal on that because, you know, even when I was, when I was going through the cancer, um, obviously like I knew from the beginning what, you know, that he was going to deliver me. So it wouldn't, it wasn't much of an issue, but to really, as, as it's progressing to see his deliverance, to see his grace, you know, and literally staring at death and kind of being comfortable with looking and just kind of going, it's not that big of a deal. And just, you know, you just kind of like, you just, the grace that he puts on that, you know, it's, it's, it's a knowing of him that I've never would have had unless I went through it. Mm. And if I, if, if I could go through it again to see him, I would do it all over again because to see him in that way, I read about it in scripture. I believed it in scripture but I never saw it and I never actually experienced it until I did. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Wow. I wonder how many people, if they experienced death and came back, how many people would actually um, change their lives? Mm. I don't know. That's just a question, you know, that I always ask. Um, Rod, we'll go to you. Um, yeah, I think just one way that he's definitely made himself known to me was I definitely had like a, a miscon- misconception of who God was, um, because for most of my life, I saw him as like a reward system, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, if I pray, then guess what? Blessings are coming my way. If I read <laughs> the Bible, then something good's going to happen to me. Right. And right. so, um, very religious, right. But um, there was this one time in my life where I was so like done with everything. Like I was ready to just, you know, just done with everything, done with the Lord. And I remember I would make these silly like promises to him, like, God, I promise uh, to do this if you give me this and blah, 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 blah. Right. And it came to a moment where I was watching this live stream and of my, my pastor right now, the pastor that I'm under and he was speaking at a conference and he was like, stop making promises to God and let God make promises to you. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I didn't hear the pastor. I heard literally the Lord saying, stop making promises to me and let me make promises to you. And, you know, for me, God made himself known to me because um, he went above my expectations, above what I was expecting him to ever do. And obviously there's so many more instances <laughs> to me that always sticks out because that's what started me up you know where the lord directly spoke into me and said shut up and let me make promises to you you know yeah (laughs) chris what about you i know you spoke on one of your incidents if you want to speak on another one i would just say um short sweet and to the point the reality is there's nothing that i've done that i could have accomplished if it wasn't the fact that god is real Mm. Because everything that I've done has taken 
uh, me to the point where I had to, I couldn't go any further without him. You know, not by my, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit alone. There's not one thing that I've accomplished from, you know, sleeping on the floor in churches and still pastoring, from walking in places and traveling. Like a little broke kid from San Angelo, Texas, dream, well, from San Diego originally, living and going through poverty through San Angelo, moving back to San Diego, dreams about getting to the East Coast let alone doesn't know what the United Nations is or really have any understanding of what the United States Capitol is or the ability to get in the White House. There's no way that a broken kid that was struggling and knowing who he is, had all these gifts and talents and abilities, but didn't even know what they were for, was a little troublemaker throughout school, was told in third grade that he would never, ever make it to high school or let alone graduate could ever go to the United Nations and go to 70 embassies, could ever get into the White House and say that he made it in the White House, but also left the White House and still has an opportunity to go back without knowing that God is real. See, people can say what they want about me. <laughs> but one thing that all my leaders tell me, they're like, Chris, we can, they can say whatever they want about you, your character, the growth that you need, but they can't question the reality that God is in you because we know where you came from. We knew the days where you slept in the in the churches and didn't have a dime to rub the, or a penny to grow together. We know the days where your family was broke as a joke. And look where you guys are now. And that's the thing that people don't know. But I'm not scared enough to say I'm not scared to say it. You want the story, but do you want the process of what it took to get where you are? Stop judging what you don't know about. You only see the glory days. You don't know what the, the process it was to get to that place. The opportunities, the blood, sweat, the tears that it took, the nights screaming out to God, God, if you don't show up right now, I'm quitting. God, if you don't show up right now, I'm about to take my life. God, if you don't show up right now, I'm going to do something stupid and go to jail because I'd rather be in jail than pretend like you're here when you're not. If you don't come right now, See, and they don't know that. Mm. That's what they don't have to. But I just gave them the honor of knowing. <sighs> that reminded me of a song. <laughs> but I'll say my song after the next person. So my last person should have been Josiah. What's up, Josiah? <laughs> uh, um, the way the Lord has made us have known to me, mm -hmm. my answer is in the house of God. In history, mm -hmm. like, I guess if you look at life like a chapter, right. it's just, again, faithfulness, consistency, himself being known to me. Like, I, I could tell you moments, you know, like at eight years old, 12 years old, just like as you progress, there's like encounters and encounters and encounters. So I could say a specific one, but I think like what I really want to say is just like in the house of God, I've always, he's made himself known to me since I was young. I'm like, it's just crazy. Like, there's a, there's a familiar, you know, obviously, you know, like you're, you're in the presence of God. Um, now that I'm getting older, I feel like when you're in a worship setting and like, I, I have like a smell, like I smell something and I literally like smell the presence of God. I just like, there's this familiarity spirit and I'm 22 now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude, like I remember this, this smell and this, this presence when I was like seven years old, like Chris was saying, like, like in the pews, I remember when I was, um, 12 years old, like getting the church. And it's that same for me. I remember even one time when, when I used to, when I used to be little, my dad picked me up from school and um, he had, he'd go in the church and church office. No one was there. And I would go in the sanctuary 
play games on his phone and like I kept the, the lights in the church um off like I just I didn't turn everything on I would just sit in the pews so they're comfortable and play a game and like there was this you knew someone was in there and it was the Holy Spirit and I'm like now that I'm older I'm like dude when I walk into the empty church in my church now like the empty the empty place well he's there but there's no one there and it's like dude he's always that's always made this unknown to me like in the house of God it's just it's it's been like humbling and I'm like dude who am I to always have known you in your house so that's right. my answer. Okay. All right. We have a couple more questions and then I'll let you guys go because I know it's Friday. <laughs> um, so I'll go back down to Rod. Um, when you get to heaven, what is something that you want to ask God? Ask of God. Sorry. Um, honestly, I thought about this question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have any questions. I really I feel like I'm just like, I made it. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's going to be kind of one of those moments like, oh, I shouldn't have been here, but I made it. Yeah. So, like, I already have zero questions for the Lord. Like, it's what it is. I'm sorry. That's such a boring answer, but. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Collins, what about you? Um, honestly, um, I would just ask him why. And then sit there for eternity. Listen to him. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Chris, what about you? I would probably want to know, honestly, um, how intentional he was. You know, um, because, I mean, there's evidence all over the earth that says in the Bible that it, nature shows the reality of God. Mm-hmm. But just how intentional, like the times that we missed him throughout life, you know what I mean? Like how intentional were you, you know, with every aspect of your life? Because you can catch the rhythm sometimes, but like to, we're not perfect. So sometimes we miss it. So I'd probably want to know how intentional were you? Like how, um, how much were we blind to you in our times on the air? Mm. That's good. I like that. Josiah, what about you? All right. So my answer, this is an actual answer I have. It's not deep at all. Okay. Um, but as a son, I'm going to ask him this. I'm going to ask him for super speed. Okay. When I get there. <laughs> I'm going to really say, can I have like a solar system? Can I just like run a bunch of planets and just do my thing there? That's honestly the answer I have. <laughs> Okay, Josiah. <laughs> All right. Hey, it makes sense. Hey, I used to watch Hero. Okay, and some stuff they were doing in Hero that show. I was like, so can I actually get that? Like, is that a real thing? I know everything specifically. Let me like, bro, and be like the fastest guy up here. <laughs> okay, Collins. Um, we're gonna go down to you. Think of a time when God seemed far away in your life, and what were the circumstances, and how did you respond? Okay, so I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, I know, like everyone, most people have like you know those those times and those seasons of like they feel like God's not speaking or like you know God's not hearing them or whatever. But honestly, like you know. I don't, I don't remember a time when I felt distance between us. Like I've always believed what his word said about me, never leaving me or forsaking me. So like, 
from from the beginning like when i first got saved i remember like that was a verse that i really believe and i hung on to because you know i i didn't grow up with the father so it was kind of like he was really my father right right and so like i just i always believed the verse you know regardless of you know what i felt or not i just i knew he was there and uh so yeah i don't i don't really have an answer for that other than that okay all right uh chris what about you um, for me, I'm me and Colin are similar on this. I, I've never felt like the funny thing is, even in my times of not really wanting to do this, you know, not uh, in my times of rebellion. Um, it's amazing how intentional God was with me. Like I, I, I've shared stories. I think I've shared stories with these guys on here um, of how I would be partying, crossfaded, and the voice of God would say, it's time for you to go. And I'd walk out of parties at the right time and all hell broke loose right before I was right when I left, you know. So I, I, I don't recall a time of his like a feeling distant. I know. But to this is what I would say. There have been times where I multiple times where I've asked him why. Like multiple times, like why me? Why are you, why do I have to walk through this? Why do I don't, why, how come they're getting to do this, but I can't do that? How come I can't, you know, um, react like they react? Why can't I, why do I have, my, why does, or in the famous words of Prophet Drake, why do um, I have, why does my struggle have to be different than others? You see what I'm saying? Like, why? Why do I have to go through things and they can't be the same way that they, why does it seem like it's harder for me and easier for them? You know? So I haven't had times where, um, I felt like he was MIA, but I did have times like, it was like, you're not being fair, sir. That's not fair. But then he always reminds me, okay, but did they do this? Did they go there? Did they speak there? Did you, did they get that opportunity? So what do you want? You're trying to measure up, but stay in your place mm. because I am evenly distributing myself. It's not you distributing me. It is me distributing me because I have a plan. Like um, Rod was saying, I am the author and the finisher of faith. Not you. I got this. So it's more been of a keeping me in my place rather than um, God, are you here? No, I've never went without. Even in my times where I didn't want him to speak to me, he spoke to me. Hey, do you think you should be doing that? Hey, can you leave me alone right now? I'm busy. <laughs> you know? so, I'm, and I'm just being honest, you right. know, like, I went through rebellion, you know, but it's crazy how intentional he was to get me on the right path that he never gave up. He was that voice that never stopped speaking. Right. Okay. What about you, Rod? Uh, yeah, similar to Chris, too. Um, I, I love asking questions. No matter how angry or upset I may be, God allows me to do that, so I'm going to do it. And also, Chris, you're so light-skinned, bro. <laughs> I have a light skin called, called, called. Hey, you gotta be happy that at least I waited until almost the end to bring my Drake quote out. You know, hey. hey, I was about to pull. You wasn't with me shooting in the gym, so I don't. Hey, Drake is right. life, okay? But go on. Yeah. Um. Ah, uh, they're distracting me. <laughs> Uh, no, for real though. Um, I was in a state of rebellion too, um, for most of my life, and. Um, I always asked to like after coming into Christ, I asked the Lord like, "Why did you let all of that happen? Like, why did you let me get so far away from you?" 
understood that he was never far away from me, but I was far away from him, right? I was like, why did you let that happen? Like, you're supposed to be a God who cares for me. You're supposed to be a God who loves me. And, and he, his response was, yeah, I, I, I love you, but my love is not forced. It's desired, meaning I don't, I'm, I don't have you in puppet strings and force all the right things to happen in your life. Like I give you the choice, I give you the option and it's your, and it has to be your desire. Not, and when I say desire, I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about like your decision. It has to be your decision, Rod, if you want to be close to me, because I'm always going to choose you. I'm always going to want to be close to you. And so that was, that was where the Lord really, you know, um, as I was asking those questions, that was his response to me. Mm. Okay. Josiah, what about you? Okay, I had like this one little time. I, um, it wasn't it wasn't like super rebellious, but I remember this one time where it was like in high school, my senior year. Um, I dated like this girl in high school, right? And I remember like we started dating my senior year, probably like that last semester in January. Okay. And then we broke up by that summer. And then I remember. Um, like, she was a good girl, but she wasn't, like, obviously, you know, God had it for me. And I remember, like, I didn't pray about it, like, before I went, you know, before I dated her. I, I had never dated anyone in high school. I was like, Lord, I'm, like, sold out for you. Long story short, I remember going that summer to my sister's church, like, in her young adult service. This is, like, the only time. This is the only thing that comes to to answer this. And so I remember sitting there in worship, and, like, the lyrics were on there. And you know how, like, those little kids, when they get in trouble... I like never get in trouble. So it's one little thing. They're all like, oh my gosh. Like, obviously that's how I felt. Um, but I feel like I hadn't talked to the Lord. Like I hadn't been with the Lord in six months. I didn't really just like being back at the church. I was just like crying. I was just like, I'm so sorry. It was just like with the, the gap, like the gap of like six months, not really being fully in the church, like being consistent with, with the Lord. Cause I was so in a relationship and like, Honestly, like, I cried, like, I was just crying, crying and sobbing because I was back in the house of God, and it was just me and him again. Um, So that's honestly the answer that I have, so. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Going back to Chris, what does it mean to worship the Father in spirit and truth? What are some things that you can do to improve your worship of the Lord? Worship God in spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. To let him to let him lead your worship. Okay. And I think oftentimes we don't do that. We um and this is one of the things that I've always challenged the worship leaders that I have led in leadership positions as a pastor. Um, I've always told them, Hey, seek the Holy Spirit. Well, Chris, what songs do you want us to sing? No, 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 no. I'm not gonna tell you what songs to sing. Seek the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will let you know what he wants to hear. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that um, we need to lean on that more. We need to stop making perfect set lists and allow ourselves to be the perfect instrument. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it's it's the it's a difference. You know, I think that oftentimes we get so caught up in, well, we have to have the perfect system. No, before their systems were, there was God, you know. And I think that we have to lean on that um, reality and we have to continue to allow that to be um the demonstration of our expression what was the second part of the question the second part of the question was what are some things that you can do to improve your worship of the lord um i think the number one thing you can do to improve your worship to the lord is meditate Mm. learn how to be quiet 
um, too often we talk too much. We move too much. We speak too much. We, we think we know too much when we don't know anything at all. At all. Um, one of the biggest things that I've learned, especially in this season, is how much I don't know. Mm. You know, and learning how to um, come under the covering of God in the perfect way. And part of that, he, he keeps us from hurting ourselves, but oftentimes we push him out of the way so we get hurt. Um, and I think the reason why we do that is because, again, we lack obedience and we lack humility. We think that we know when it's time for us to do. In reality, no, he opens up the doors. But oftentimes we're pushing doors open. And um, I think that we have to learn how to just be quiet. You see what I'm saying? And allow him um, to lead our steps and order our steps and open up the doors of opportunity when he wants to open them. You know, and um, it looks like meditation. I, I think that every person should commit at least an hour a day to just being quiet and just sitting there with the Lord at least an hour. Um, and what I, I like to do is I break it up in 30 segments, 30 minute segments. So first thing in the morning, when I open up my eyes, I don't go back to sleep, but I do 30 minutes of meditation. And then right before I go to bed or in the midday, I do 30 minutes of meditation. And that allows me to rejuvenate and it allows me to um, encounter what is the word that he wants to give me in the day. You know, um, and I think that that allows me to perfectly demonstrate and release what he wants in that day, whether it be through work, whether it be through ministry, whether it be through um, playing basketball, hanging out with friends or responding to mess of people, because we're all messy and we need to be focused to resolve the mess. And if we're not silent, if we're not resting, if we're not taking the time to meditate and seek his face, I think that's what we're not displaying and releasing the proper worship that he's called us to re release. Again, it's all this whole thing about worship is about releasing the proper thing. And we're either going to release something toxic or we're going to bring some release something healthy and that brings restoration. We have to choose. Mm, OK. All right. Going to Rod. What about you? Um, yeah, uh, I love this verse because it, it's not an option. Right. It's a it's kind of like a mandate where it says we must worship in spirit and in truth. They can't it can't be one or the other. It has to be both. And then it goes with what Chris is saying, like, let the Lord direct your worship. Like, you know, um, and and that's the spirit part. Right. Where that's where I get it from, where, OK, um, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm trusting that. And that's that that's me leading in spirit. Okay. And and if I'm leading in spirit, then guess what? Everything that I live, it's gonna come out in truth. Yeah. You know, everything that I do, regardless if I'm on a stage or whatever I'm singing, it doesn't matter if I just woke up, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and and, and I'm leaning in, then guess what? Like everything that I do becomes truth. And, and it's true because of the spirit that's in me. And so, um, yeah. What was the second part of the question? <laughs> the second part is what are some things that you can do to improve your worship to the Lord? Um, yeah, I, I agree, Chris. Just, um, just sit there and let him breathe on you. Mm. You know, just breathe together. Like, it's so simple, but we, we forget that, like, we forget that that we can breathe with the Lord, and and it's so it, it seems so silly, but we forget it. Yeah. And I think it has so much power. It has so much 
um, yeah, it just has so much power in our lives when we just, we can stop everything and, and then just say, okay, I'm going to breathe and I'm going to listen to you. And if you want me to talk, then I'll talk. But, you know, my priority is on you. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. Going to Collins, what about you? Um, to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, honestly. Um, on the spirit side of that is worshiping the Lord in your true self. Okay. And the truth part is hiding nothing. Right. Um, because what he really wants is you. You know, he doesn't want the you that you that you're putting on. He wants the real you. He wants that spirit that he put in you when you were conceived. Right. And that truth part is important because if if we have a veil over our face and we approach him, forget that. He don't want that. Right. You know, and um, we have to be honest with each other. He's going to be honest with me and I'm going to be honest with him. And any any good relationship works that way. It works on trust. And it works on two people expressing who they really are. And and in terms of like improving your worship, mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. I mean, practically, I'm not quite sure that that's necessarily something that you can improve on. I think it's either you're doing it correctly or you're not. You right. know, I mean, I, I know, you know, you can have like steps and like, you know, you know, practical, like, you know, how can I do it through my day? But in, in terms of improving your worship, mm -hmm. I don't really see how you could, how you could do that because you're either doing it right or you're not doing it at all. And so that's just, that's True. my, that's my thoughts on that. So <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you, Collins. What about you, Josiah? Okay. Um, everyone like had, they killed it, what they said. So, <laughs> um, what I just I want to add to it what they were saying in spirit and truth okay. they all said it but I just think the word intentionality of both of them um, spirit and truth intentional 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 like in worship in your lifestyle is a spirit here like is the Holy Spirit welcomed here um, is the dove staying like intentional of letting the Holy Spirit be in the room and intentionality of the truth like obviously you're in your word like truth truth is just the truth of the word so um i just wanted to add to that emphasizing intentionality of them okay. and then um improving your worship honestly for me it's been like a really cool journey and even graduating bible school the lord's challenged me to what like rod and chris were saying in another another way is breathing in the presence of god okay. um, just being in like a worship setting or it in church or in my prayer life and I'm quiet. I just start taking like heavy breaths and I'm literally just like breathing in the presence of God, breathing him in. And it's changed so much in, in knowing that, like, I don't know how to explain it. You just know when someone's like hiding in the room playing hide and seek, like it's just a new level of breathing in the presence of God and the Holy spirit is there. Um, so that's one way. Another thing practically I would say, is like the Lord's been on me, like in a worship setting, sometimes I'm just be like standing there and like, you know, like I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I'm watching everything. And he's like, stop, dude. Like, are you going to get on your face before me? Are you going to like lift your hands? Are you going to dance? And like, it's just a challenge. It's a constant like, like, he's like, like, is this for you or for me? And so obviously you're not drawing attention to yourself, but 
Um, we have moments like at our church, we have just like prophetic night or just service going to the corner, making sure no one can see me. Mm-hmm. That's always been something I feel like he's challenged me in, in a practical way is when I'm at church or I'm home, I'm at home, he's like, you know, King David dance before the Lord. And I'm not saying everyone has their own, they have their reasons, but he's, for me, it's just been a challenge of like, all right, dance. I'm like, all right, I'm going to dance. Like, all right, be still, be still, get on your face, get on your face. So. That's that's something I would say. Like not it's not improving your worship, but it's a challenge of obedience in our worship. So Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, going back to Rod, what direction would you give to those who say they don't attend church because they can worship from home or in nature? Um, I would say there's there's a certain not an access. I would say like a, a, a power when there's when we're worshiping corporately gotcha yet like your intimate um sessions with the lord is 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 so crucial and it's needed you know for the most part that's where we're at like you know we're not always together but there is something that when we're all together worshiping the lord and you know in a church setting if we're doing it right then you know (laughs) Because, you know, even in Revelations, it talks about that, you know, how how um, the angels and, and everything and the priests and all that stuff, um, they're all together worshiping and giving him adoration. Um, we get to have a little glimpse of that when we're in church, if, if, you know, we're doing it correctly, you know. And so I feel like you're missing out, you know, you're, you're not living a fullness of what you could be doing and um yeah okay all right going down to collins what about you collins um to anyone who says that um i just point him to the scripture uh hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another into love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so, you know, I mean, hey, there's times and places for you to be alone, be in nature, just you and God, right? But that's not how it's, that's that's not what the church is. That's your personal relationship and that's fine and it's healthy and it should have that. But the church is the gathering together of the elect. It's the ecclesia. It's the the governing council council has multiple members and so a body only works when everyone comes together right. and so the basis of unity is togetherness you know and you know I, I know today you know we have online stuff like that so it makes it easier but the how we are designed we're designed for community for unity and that requires being in a proximity of other people yeah. you know and so that's that's all i gotta say on that Okay. Josiah, what about you? Well, okay, so I remember hearing that question a lot in Bible school, and then a professor said, well, don't forsake the gathering of the fellowship of the believers. And so that's the answer to that. Um, and then also, like, I feel like it's adding on with Rod. It's your corporate encounter with your family, the people of God. Right. Um, he was saying your daily personal encounters. But that's where it starts, like, beginning of your week on a Sunday, you're starting corporately all together and it dwindles down from there. But that's God's design, like to be there corporately 
and then your daily personal time with the Lord. It it's both like we need both of them. And so that's to answer that. Um, do not forsake the gathering and then corporate encounters. Like you, you just in, in, in the place of corporate encounters to finish is like, dude, that's where all together you're celebrating miracles. You're celebrating testimonies. You're celebrating what God is doing in someone's life. And like, I'll tell you what, like when I'm in a corporate setting and someone goes up there and their leg gets healed or someone says a testimony of what God did in their family's life, that's what God designed us to have to meet together. And mm-hmm. so that's my answer to that. Okay. All right, Chris, you want to add on to any? Yeah, I think they all great, gave great details um, on that answer. Um, the only thing I would add is Psalms 133 verse 1, where it says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity brother and to dwell together in unity so that eliminates everything um and then number two what would you do if your body if your heart didn't show up for your body Mm. and again it goes to our lack that question being asked in society goes to our lack of understanding of the kingdom the kingdom cannot function without the church Mm. like colin perfectly articulated the tent the kingdom cannot function without the church you see what I'm saying? And that's our problem. We don't see miracle signs and wonders. We're not seeing heaven come to earth because we have a lack of understanding when it comes to the role of the church. The role of the church is to be the heartbeat of the kingdom. Mm. The kingdom cannot function without the church. The presence of the Lord comes to the church first, and then we encounter him throughout the kingdom. So when we encounter him out of the outside the kingdom, all these things are added to us. We seek him in the church, our heart, Right. And then we get the added unto when we function in his kingdom. But if the church is sick, the kingdom is sick. And guess what? God is not coming back for a sick kingdom. He's not coming back for a sick church either. So we need to appropriately, like Colin was saying in Hebrews 10, and like all these wonderful men of God were saying, we need to put a proper emphasis on the importance of the church so that the kingdom can function in the reality. Another thing is how can your heart grow in health if everybody's not being equipped. You see what I'm saying? We need the prophet. We need the teacher. We need the evangelist. We need the pastor and the apostle for the equipping of the saints, right? And when the saints are equipped, guess what? We have a healthy church. And when we have a healthy church, that means we have a healthy kingdom. And that's when we see heaven come down to earth. And that's when we see miracles, signs, and wonders, that's why we meet in this. That's why we meet at church. That's why we commit to, regardless of where the stance of the church is, we commit to walking it through the process of health, of restoration. I like that. Good. Thank you, Chris. Um, going back to Collins, when we consider that our bodies are the temple of the living God, how should that impact our lifestyle choices? Very simple. You don't belong to you. So act like it. That's all I'm going <laughs> All right, going to Rod. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question again? And the question is, when we consider that our bodies are the temple of the living God, how should that impact our lifestyle choices? Oh, oh yeah, exactly what Colin said. <laughs> like literally, yeah, I, there's nothing for me to add there. <laughs> okay, Josiah, what about you? Okay. I'll give like a practical answer. Okay. Um, 
obviously the obedience is a practical answer but lifestyle choices is like obviously like i was saying earlier you are responsible so healthy eating like that's just something i naturally like dude if you're a you're a pastor bro like you're gonna be traveling and speaking and this and that and you're gonna be healthy like physically eating the right things um like so many one thing i remember when someone saying something that like really made an impact in my life was they're like the enemy of the american church pastors isn't that it's their health like they're so obese they're not they're just they're dying early they're not taking care of themselves i'm like i'm like oh shoot like as a leader i want to be on on myself and disciplines obviously the disciplines being healthy working now you don't have to be the i don't i think like I used to be like, dang, I don't have, like, the best body ever. Now it's like, no, I just need to be disciplined or enough to, like, you know, you do your push-ups, sit-ups, whatever. You're getting in a weight room. You're not looking like the next model, but it's it's stewarding that. And so um, stewardship is the influence you have. It's physical, healthy stuff. So the practical answer is in that. And then to finish off is, like, we're calling this thing obedience. It's in your – you don't belong to yourself, so you can't be, like, talking to everybody if the Lord doesn't want you talking to that person um looking at things you shouldn't be looking at you're in obedience to him so I like that okay just to let you guys know cardio is the way to go <clears throat> remember cardio that's the heart a lot of men don't do a lot of cardio that I've heard about do your cardio and stop playing okay go on Chris to you the only thing I would add is the um Oh, wow. I just went away from you. What was the question again? <laughs> the question is, when we consider that our bodies are the temple of the living God, how should that impact our lifestyle choices? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, it goes back to the question before, mm-hmm. the lack of equipping. Um, so the reality is, if we can't hold babies to standards that they don't know. Um, so until we have a healthy heart, or like you were saying, cardio, healthy church, yeah. we can't we can't assign roles of commitment to kingdom responsibilities to babies yeah. because babies will get killed. So that's the problem. We're holding people to standards they don't understand. Right. A baby doesn't know that they're owned. A baby eats whatever is given. A baby walks, goes wherever it wants. A baby says whatever it can say. A baby does whatever it wants in a lot of ways. It's all about itself. But see, as the body matures, then you come into the realization of, I'm not my own. Oh, crap. I've been living this life wrong this whole time. I've been making things priorities that I shouldn't have been making a priority. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm mature. Mature. It, I love in Second uh, Peter, I believe, two, chapter 2, verses 6, it talks about growing in maturing in grace. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? How do you mature in grace? Well, maturing in grace is coming into the realness of love. Mm-hmm. In a baby does not know what love is. It just knows about itself. It knows lust. Why? Because we're birth, we're bro, we're birthed into a broken world. Right. See what I'm saying? But when you grow up and you mature, so you have a lot of immature pastors that are sitting there living out of lust, but they need to grow up into love. And when they grow up into love, then they'll realize, wait, I don't own this church. I don't own these people. I don't own myself. I don't own anything. All I'm doing is living to be a living sacrifice of God, holy and acceptable unto him. Right. I like that. That's good. Going back to Josiah, how has the spiritual support and encouragement of other Christians impacted your life? Um, 
Actually, positive and negative ways. So to okay. answer that, okay. obviously, when you have people that we all like, okay, start off. So when Jesus was affirmed by his father, right? And then he'd go do his thing. So naturally you love, like people are affirmed by other people. So when you have someone that looks across the table from you, says like, I believe in you, you know, you have someone you look up to. Obviously I have my parents, so I'm not super grateful for them always like, believing me, supporting me, and then there's obviously pastors look up to you. So when they look you in the eye and say, I believe in you, I believe in the call in your life, that does something to you. I don't know whether you're an affectionate person or not. To me, that does something. And so um, what I always say happens to you, turn it around and do it for students. Like I've just seen it. You sit down with someone and you say, I believe in you. It changes their trajectory. They get up in the morning. They're, they're consistent. So um, it's been a huge encouragement, probably words of that kind of person. So that's the Christian support. I think you're surrounded by, and naturally, like you sharpen, you're being sharpened by other people. Even the people in the Zoom call, I don't think I'd be where I'm at without these people. Like just sharpening, we're all back. You're sharpening each other to your teammates. So that's that's my answer. Okay. All right. Going to Rod. Um, Yeah, I just think spiritual support is so needed, especially in our generation right now, Mm -hmm. just because uh, it's all about me, me, and let me get my way and whatever. I got to hustle to do this by myself. And it's like, no, it's not how it works, you know. And I'm so thankful for just, you know, like my mother, you know, because I know in times where I was struggling or times where I was even focused on the Lord, I'm so thankful that I had a praying mom, you know, and not everybody has that privilege. But I think, you know, if you're taking this walk seriously, I think you need to have those people who can, who can, you know, aren't there just to be cheerleaders for you, but are there to call you out on things, are there to pray over your life, are there to sharpen your leg, Josiah said, are there to, um, you know, call greater in you. And so, uh, yeah, I'm so thankful because it's just helped me be grounded, you know, in the Lord. Okay. All right, Chris, what about you? Um, I wouldn't be where I am without my leaders. I mean, all my leaders that are in my life are, have been lifelong leaders. Okay. They've walked through me. They've walked literally since I was born to where I am now. Um, and they continue to be there for me through my craziness, through my goodness, through every process of life. And they haven't given up on me. Um, so that has been um, very helpful. And it has been something that I have just um, used as an example for the people that have committed their lives to my leadership, you know, um, you know, because and it's funny because it goes two ways. It's like you see the ones that they there's a two process of leadership. And I'm going to say this really quick um, that oftentimes we don't consider. There are people that want lifelong covenant. And then there's people that want your covenant for the platform and then they don't want your covenant no more. Um, so you have to use discernment and um, show watching these leaders release some people that no longer wanted them. They just wanted what they could give to them. And then watching them stay committed to the ones that didn't just seek what they could get from them. They seek actually the person because they actually genuinely love the person. So I've learned so much from le- in leadership and having to make tough decisions where it's like, you know what? I can't I can't afford to chase that person anymore. It's a season of release. You know, they don't want to submit to me anymore. They don't want to respect me anymore. They think that um, there's this even 
playing field. There's no reverence there. So it's like you have to release. Learning how to release and how to hold on to. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Collins, what about you? So um, what's always been fruitful and beneficial to me has not so much been encouragement necessarily because I'm, I'm very low maintenance. One, one word of encouragement will do me good for the whole year or even five years, right? Yeah. I don't really need encouragement. What's really bolstered me is rebuke, actually. And some people in the Zoom um, know about that. Um, I got rebuked a lot. Um, and at the time, I didn't like it, but it helped me the most. Right. Because it created iron inside of me and it sharpened me. And so, um, honestly, that... I will accept rebuke any day. You know, I don't really like it. You know, people, if people come up and be like, oh, like, you're such an amazing man of God. It's kind of like, I already know that. Like, you know, that doesn't really help me, <laughs> you know. But if you tell me, hey, you did this wrong, that actually helps me. Right. So um, that definitely um, impacts me. So. Okay. All right. So we have one last question, gentlemen. This one's kind of fun. Okay. So it's not as deep. Okay, gosh, I know. So it's on my extra list. So if you go down to number 25, um, we're going to start out with Chris. <laughs> what are two or three of your favorite hymns or gospel songs and why do you enjoy them? <laughs> oh, well, it's hard. Um, being in a family that um, you have a mom as a worship leader, um, and a worship pastor, it's kind of hard to narrow down to three. Um, some that I really enjoy that are on the top of my list would probably be um, Keith Green, okay. Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really love that song. Um, another one is As the Deer Panteth for the Water, Oh Lord, My Soul, Longeth After Thee. I love that song. Um, No Weapon Formed Against Me by Fred Hammond is a song that has been in my life and has walked me through so many accusations, so many struggles. And um, when people have came after me or tried to question who I am and then just turned on that song, you know, Fred Hammond has walked me through a lot. Um, So a lot of the worship songs that I listen to are not um, necessarily to, again, like we've talked about this whole time, are not to make me feel good. Right. Um, they're actually songs to reveal him to me. Right. And like, so No Weapon, for example, it reveals that he is my shepherd. That's again, why I say Jehovah Ra, the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is there to protect me, to lead me and to guide me. Um, and songs, every worship song I usually listen to is to reveal the reality of him. Okay. All right, going down to Rod. Same question. Uh, yeah, um, probably one of my favorite hymns is "How Great Thou Art." Like that, that I think that was like one of the first hymns I really remember learning, and it is so good. And, and um, another one too is definitely "Rock of Ages," uh, "Blessed Assurance." Uh-huh. Uh, one of my favorite ones is definitely uh, "I Surrender All." Uh, that is such a good one. But yeah, uh, kind of like Chris, you know, the, the worship songs that I really listen to in my personal time is the ones that really 
magnify him, you know, give him the glory. Um, obviously, there's 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 reasons for other songs like um, horizontal songs, you know, because sometimes um, um, that builds up certain things and certain people for them to get to that point, you know. That's how I've I've, I've seen horizontal worship, you know, um, because I, I remember when I first even listened to that stuff, I was just like. Uh, like I don't like this like why isn't this giving God the glory blah 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 but then the Lord's just like no it's it's setting them up it's setting them up for them to handle you know that type of worship and so uh yeah okay Josiah all right I was like singing them to myself while y'all were <laughs> saying words um so obviously like amazing grace okay um that's number one. But then the other ones just took me back to like see if and I days. I don't know, like I know I don't know if it's the correct name, so but it's the one where it's like we exalt the I love just that's it. Just exalted in the Lord. Um and then one of the other ones is my favorite one. I don't know if this is the right name, but it's everyone gets together and you're like, Hail, hail the line of Judah. Yeah. Like glory to the those are like Always starting off with amazing grace and then exalting him and then Lion Judas. So those are my answers. Okay. You know the classics. All right. <laughs> All right, going down to my last one. Colleen, what about you? Be thou my vision. Mmm, that's oh, that's my song. Okay. <laughs> Revela- Revelation song and you are worthy of it all. Put those three, and everyone's dead. <laughs> and resurrected again. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are funny. <laughs> well. Hey, I just want to add a comment about oh. what Rod said mm-hmm. about uh, horizontal worship. Uh-huh. I think it's a beautiful, um, you know, understanding of that. But I think one aspect that we have to keep in mind, too, is that there's a positional aspect that goes with that, too. Um, so you knowing your position in the kingdom um, exposes the reality is of can you feed on horizontal worship or do you need vertical worship? Different positions call for different, um, different uh, what's the word, different kind of food with worship. So I think that that's key for us to understand that too. What pastors are eating on is different. What an apostle is going to eat on and what a prophet's going to eat on is different than what an evangelist is going to eat on. And then a pastor is going to be something totally different than all four. So I think it's key for us to know um, in our role, in, in our level of influence, what are we supposed to feed on? Um, and that's the only thing that I just wanted to add to that. But I thought, you know, I'm not disagreeing at all, but I think that's key in your identity knowing, okay, what can I get away with and what can I get away with? Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you guys for coming through. You guys are wonderful and doing wonderful things in the kingdom of heaven and as well on earth and everything. Y'all are funny. Y'all made my day. <laughs> so um, I appreciate you guys for coming through. I hope you guys have a blessed rest of the Friday. Uh, definitely, you know, do something fun. You know what I'm saying? Um, and everything like that. And I appreciate you guys. Stay blessed. And I'll see you guys soon. Bye. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Bye, Colin. Bye, Chris. Bye, Rob. Bye, Bye Josiah. <laughs> <laughs>
thank you to all my guests that came through. I hope you guys got something out of it. Stay tuned for the next episode. This is Speak Up, Speak Out, and we out.